Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me today is... I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. And today we are talking about 2016's Arrival. Arrival was uh, written by Eric Heiserer. Uh, it is based on the novella uh, Story of Your Life by Ted Chiang, directed by Denny Villeneuve. Yay! Hooray! Uh, so it is starring uh, Amy Adams, Jeremy Redder, Forrest Whitaker, Michael Struberg. <laughs> so I just love saying... I, lo- I love saying... Like super fucking <laughs> what Scandinavian Central European or names, Central European obnoxiously. Name. Yeah, that's Michael Strupak. And I believe you say, you say his name is uh, Taima or Tima. I think it's Taima. Um, he plays the uh, general, the Chinese general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I also will just point out that the music is by Johan Johansson. Uh, love that guy. Seriously, uh, this <laughs> I'm just gonna get it out of the way now and say that Johan Johansson is was going to be one of the greatest composers of our time and surpass Hans Zimmer in just about every way, and he was taken too soon. So, rip indeed. Um, the budget was forty-seven million dollars. Uh, I know Bill's already looking at it because he always does. But uh, <laughs> Ben, do you want to take a guess at what the box office was? Um, it was forty-seven million. Was the budget you said? Yes. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say the box office was sixty million. Sixty million, Ben. That was a super good guess. You were so close. It is two hundred and three point four million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it wow! Blew it out of the fucking water. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. I just I I just assumed that this is not a movie audiences would go out to the theaters to see. I'm glad I'm wrong. Well, that's awesome. they had no idea what it was going to be about. They just assumed it was an alien invasion, so they went to go see uh, lasers and cars flipping over, uh, people screaming incoherently, and what they got was nothing like that was a linguistics so. and physics lesson <laughs> which is wonderful but if we are going to tell them what they got ben young why don't you tell us what this movie is about After 12 unidentified ships land in various countries around Earth, the U.S. military brings in the expertise of linguist Louis Banks and theoretical physicist Ian Donnelly to help communicate with the aliens and discover their purpose on our planet. It's a rival, it's a rival, it's a rival, it's a rival, it's a rival. Do you like that? That was so good. <laughs> it's a rival! <laughs> Hold on to your asses, audience. It's a rival. It's the most action-packed movie of the year. <laughs> so, and I'm going to say this as a person who's never seen The Hurt Locker, but this might be Jeremy Renner's best acting he's ever done. I've seen The Hurt Locker, and uh, 
I it, it, they're different. They're very very different performances. Uh, very different uh, strings that Jeremy Renner has to pull on to do these movies. So, you know, give and take. But he, he's enough. he's really really fucking wonderful in this. Yeah, he's kind of like a a breath of fresh air compared to like the other stuff that he normally does. I don't know. It's well, not like insulting the other stuff he does, but I don't know. It's, I mean, most of the stuff you see him in at this point in his life is Avengers. You know, you see him yeah, in Marvel properties, it. and he doesn't need to bring a lot to the table on that one. I think he's going to in the sh- in the show, um, not just because he has something to prove at this point, since the world hates him now, uh, but he. I think th- there's a lot of talk that this run is based a lot on Fractions. R- this show is based a lot on Fractions' run of the comics and mm-hmm. uh so you have to have you have to bring a strong performance to that you can't rely on action and if we've seen anything from these marvel shows uh they don't rely on action anyway in their shows so i'm i'm really excited to see what he if we're i think we're gonna really get oscar winning Jer- jeremy renner or nominated at least i forget oscar nominated jeremy renner yeah there you go yeah uh, all right yeah um so yeah, cool fucking movie. Love the way it starts out. Uh, it literally just starts with the alien invasion, but you're not getting the ships coming down and cars flipping over and people screaming incoherently. You're just getting like the news report, like silently almost. And you're just like, what's going on? Well, if I may correct you right off the bat, it actually begins in the middle of the end. Oh, that's right. The yeah. movie does. I'm sorry. Which is, it, I, I really, really enjoyed, actually, because it the, the movie is a perfect circle. It, it starts with meeting her daughter, and then it ends with them saying, let's, with him, uh, Ian, saying to Luis, let's have a baby. So, it's, the movie is actually a perfect circle. Just wanted to point that out. Ah. Well, there you go. Uh, but no, but I love that the whole like alien bit starts out with um, what she's just in in a lecture with like five students and they see the news report. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. I like that's a very classy way to handle that. Only only would linguist students not have heard the news <laughs> to be like, I'm not going to class. Like most of them heard it, but but you could tell the few nerds in class who are like, I'm so excited for my linguist class. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Linguistics class. Language is great. I mean language is great, but it's just it's just yeah. really funny that these nerds showed up. It's just like <laughs> And then this nerd went to her class after the alien invasion thinking people were going to come to her class while the world is ending. Yeah. I take that personally, but okay. <laughs> nerd. <clears throat> um, so I just want to say right off the bat, like, I love this movie so freaking much. I saw it. I think we saw it. I think, didn't we all go? back in the day no i i saw this separately i actually saw it i think like on netflix or something i feel I like it's someone did. i feel like it was like the first time i went to the movie theater after noah was born maybe maybe i grabbed you bill maybe i, I was like so. get the hell out of the damn house i think so i think so and uh and That's we funny. went and 
because I, I I'm almost certain I went with you, Bill, because I remember walking out of that theater and we were just babbling like incoherent idiots, like, oh my god, uh, you know, uh, time, language and time. What does this mean? How do how do we how do we interpret this? It's just like, and I think at one point we were like, oh, I wish we were still doing the podcast, and then <laughs> and then moved on. And I always wanted to rewatch this movie, and I never did until today when I rewatched it for the podcast. And I'm so glad I did. It's just, there's so much to unpack and so much, like, first of all, like, the the brilliant cinematography throughout the film um, from Bradford Young, who I love that name, uh, and the, the the score from Johan Johansson, and of course, just the, the wonderful performances throughout the whole film, like, it's, and it's, it's a slow movie, but it's never boring. And that's like, I love movies like that. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved this. Um, the pacing of this movie. I think if you didn't have such a strong cast, it wouldn't have worked quite as well. And then in those quiet moments, uh, just the score from Johan Johansson carrying it through uh, really did it. I mean, even the supporting actors like uh, Forrest Whitaker, I thought he did a, a damn fine job. Like I, I don't, I couldn't complain about a single person uh, in this movie, even the three different actresses that played Hannah. <laughs> this is honestly one of the most like <clears throat> sci-fi sci-fi movies I feel like we've seen in a while, because <clears throat> it's it's about high concepts, right? It's about very high concepts, but it all comes back to being human at the same time. Like what it means to be human and, you know, the sort of like way we live in the past instead of, you know, sort of accepting the past and living with the future and sort of like understanding that we exist, but not like dwelling. And it's very it's it's interesting that like we're able to take these super high concepts like linguistics and the study of language and then we bring it all back to, uh, I guess, and physics in a lot of ways and coming back to. <clears throat> come back to being human that this is all just part of it and i don't know I, th- I thought that was really cool so i feel like this movie is probably one of the most sort of classic sci-fis that we've had and it's like going from and i mean in classic sci-fi fashion this came from a novella and so it's like so like uh what is it story of your life <clears throat> mm-hmm. i think that said the story of your life um yeah. Which is honestly really pretty much they did a really good job with the movie with translating this into a film because the, the you have these storylines that are crossing and coming together again. Uh, that is the you know life of the child of Hannah and coming back to um, the end and moving on and the beginning and sort of like accepting it, the death, and then also moving on to a new life. The yeah. end. Good sci-fi. Or bad I like, sci-fi. <laughs> I like. No, we got we got a lot to talk about. I like how you bring up Hannah because I was literally I was really surprised with the movie. I you know I was the second time watching it. I know the twist in the in the end when she is brought up to the ship in the pod, and it. I, it still got me. I knew the twist. I knew what was about to happen. And when she drops that line of, uh, uh, I don't understand who's that girl. I, who is this girl? I was like, 
it still was like, what? Like, I don't know. Like, my reaction was visceral where I was just like, this is such good writing and delivery. It's not like an overblown twist or anything. She drops this line and then Johan Johansson's steady bass kind of lifts a little bit and it cuts to the shot of the of her picture. Mommy and daddy are, are, are talk to animals. Uh, and, and it kind of zooms out on that and it's just like it all comes together in that moment. And I, I, I remember losing my mind in the freaking theater. And because there's the whole time you're sitting there, you're like, there's something, there's something strange happening. There's something wrong. You don't feel like the, this is the story of a woman who's lost a child coming and then coming into this scene. I don't think that I, that ever kind of feels like that. But you do feel like something is off and you're not really sure what it is. And then when it hits you, it's just like, of course. It's And it's so... It's so perfectly done. This is the perfect example of a twist that only adds to the story rather than a twist for twist's sake. Because, like, you know, going back and rewatching through it all, like, it all makes perfect sense. And what I, you know, the, the knowing that they are flashes of the future that are happening in her mind and she doesn't understand them, and seeing that for now, knowing that truth fantastic acting on Amy Adams's part because it's she she walks that wonderful line of like is she remembering her dead daughter and this is becoming too hard on her or and then now when it when you finally know why she's acting the way she is it's just it's so well executed on every level and it's it all comes down to it comes down to everyone like everyone had a hand in it from Denny to Amy Adams to Johan Johansson to Bradford Young, like every little bit, uh, the, the perfect example of a movie being the sum of its parts, like every little bit <clears throat> really elevated that moment to uh, be this You forgot really to mention uh, the CIA agent played by Michael Stralberg. Well, I mean, specifically in that scene where she's speaking to, uh, I think it's Costello. Is it Abbott or Costello? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Costello. Costello. I think, think Abbott dies. Abbott dies, yeah. Or he does not die. He goes through the death process. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to really, like, praise and gush over that for a moment because it was it's, it's perfect filmmaking in mm -hmm. every way. The script, the acting, the directing, the, mm -hmm. the sound, just every little bit of it is perfect perfect it's why this movie is top three sci-fi for me and probably like top five or ten films period for me and and this is what made me go oh that denny villeneuve guy he's got something huh <laughs> i mean he does he, he certainly does have something he figured he, he's got something he's got it and it's one of those things of I like to think that he every time gets better with his movies. Yes. You know, I mean, at least I'm going as far the ones that I've seen, I, I think the Sicario would be the first one. Everything going forward, he's gotten better and he kind of always does something different, which I really appreciate. It's almost in the vein of like James Cameron, who kind of just picks his battles and does it well. I'd say yeah. it's in the same vein as that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I still haven't seen Sicario, to tell you the truth. Uh, it's one of those that I'm just kind of waiting for the right moment. 
Uh, but I do really want to see it. I, I, I just, I know it's a very heavy movie, and so I've never, every time I'm in the mood for something like that, I tend to just go to the theater. But I do want to watch it. I really want to watch it. Yeah, I think they even made a sequel. I don't know if it was any good or not, but yeah. I heard it was. I I don't think Denny directed it though. No, he didn't do it. But I heard it was still it it, it respects the original enough and builds off of its themes. It was one of those where it was like uh from what I was reading about it um like the the sh- the sudden shift in the content of Sicario kind of demanded a sequel and demanded a new perspective on things. And the the shift in in real life, real world politics and Sicario kind of coming together, that kind of thing, because it's about the border and stuff. So, right, right. But we're not here to talk about Sicario. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, we digress. Apologize, everybody. So we're gonna um, talk about sci-fi. We're gonna talk about the sci-fi. It was wild, man. Super wild. First of all, we have no idea how these ships, and I will give them a pass on this because of how advanced they were. But there's like they there's no they can't tell what's holding it up, you know. There's no force pushing it up, as mm-hmm. it were. Um, so I guess there's that sci-fi aspect. If you want to get like with the technical stuff, I'm not going to nitpick at all. I think it was fucking great. Uh, I I love how they played with. Uh, I don't know. It was probably a plot device, so that way they can just like leave and then come back, leave and then come back. But uh, with the whole, they have a limited window to be inside of this vessel, and they had to like leave. And it was all based on like atmosphere and stuff like that. I don't know. Well, that's just a classic storytelling technique of like, yeah, like you you mentioned plot device, they have to leave and come back, leave and come back. But putting a clock on anything just increases the tension. So this whole movie has this ticking clock that just constantly sets and resets and sets and resets. And so they don't totally play with it as much as they could have, but it's not a suspense film, so they didn't really need to play with it as much as they could have. But there was a lot to, you know, any in, in screenwriting, anytime you, or in writing in general, honestly, in storytelling in general, Anytime you can add a clock to something, anytime you can add a timeline that needs to, something's got to happen in this time frame, it just ups the tension. And it's a great, it's a great way to not draw things out unnecessarily, you know. They could, they they could sit. The question would be like, oh, why aren't they working night and day? Why aren't they working around the clock? This is something they should do. It's like, well, because they can't. They have, they have two hours every time they walk in there. They have two hours, and they have to make every hour count. And that like increases the tension when you sit down and really think about it. That increases the tension like tenfold. I'd say if we're going to sci-fi aspects about this film, I mean, like you said, Colin. I mean, there's there's the um, you know xenobiology and xenolinguistics and everything alien and understanding that you know we do have a certain perspective and you know even like our linear understanding of time and like understanding things in a way that humans do and how do how do these things affect how we express ourselves and i mean these are very basic ideas that we take for granted Right. We take for granted that we that we see things. We don't question our assumptions. We don't question our assumptions about time. We don't question. And I think that's a big thing 
when I'm talking about like questioning questions, you know, when, when I'm talking about asking yourself a question, a big thing in science itself, the scientific method is um, taking some sort of assumption that you have and saying, is this so? Taking the idea and then saying, is this so? So like, why does this have to be? So like understanding like, I don't know, an apple falls from a tree. It is, it does, it, ha it falls from a tree, we know that. But what if it didn't? And why would it not? And so it's like these sorts of ideas of like, okay, so we understand that we, we go into the future blind. We understand that we have the past and we focus on the past. And now we let's flip the script and we understand, you know, she understands Luis, right? That's Luis, mm -hmm. Amy Adams. Okay. Uh, that she's what she's going to do. She understands what's going to happen and she understands how things are going to end. And she understands that and accepts that as if as a normal person should accept their past. So you should accept your past the same way Luis would accept her future going into it, knowing that she's having a child that is doomed, knowing that she has a marriage that is doomed, but she goes into it and accepts it because there's no other choice. She accepts it. And so it's like, well, that's the same thing with my past, with Ben's past, with Colin's past. We look at it and we accept it and we move. And that's just being human. There's something incredibly beautiful I realized upon the second viewing. And I don't know if, you know, things have changed for me since I saw it the first time. But um, there's something beautiful in knowing the future, knowing there's nothing you can do to change it and just accepting it, like you said. There really is. Like, and, and embracing it. You know, she's there's and it's not just like beautiful in what she does, but just if if that were us, like I thought a lot about it because I remember you and I talked a lot about could she could she potentially change something if she wanted to, if she really worked at it, could she change it? And I think we kind of landed on no, she never could. This is the circle that she's on and that is the way it is. And I think that's the point is that she can try as she might as much as she wants to change it that's the way that time exists and it is has happened will happen will always happen there's nothing she can do at this point but when you when you like look at my future if i were to look at my future if i were to suddenly learn the universal language and see what's next down the line and it's not what i expected it or wanted it to be knowing that there's nothing I can do to change it at that point, that that is just the way it is, that some would see that as defeatist. Some would see that as like, you know, like, uh, well, what's the point? But like, the point is to enjoy it, right? Like, that's the point she makes at the end of it. It's like, even, uh, you know, and I, I don't think the movie's trying to be defeatist. I think it is trying to say, like, if you, if, if you can't change a thing, if you know every single thing that's going to happen, then at least the, the the least you can do is say what, speak your mind a little more, like Ian Donnelly says. And I I, I like that. I think it's it's a nice sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, 
um, I really like the way that they kind of tied language and time together. Uh, never in a million years would I have come up with a concept like that. That they always wild, um, and everything's kind of based around the idea of. Well, I don't know. They like they mention a palindrome in the movie, don't they? At some point, Hannah's name yeah. is a palindrome. Hannah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's what it is. But I thought with like it being circular, the uh, the writing style that they do. Mm. Well, one of the know. one of the things Ian talks about when he's talking in the montage when they're talking about the writing is that they don't write left to right or anything. It's he said, imagine if you were writing a sentence and you started. It, you were writing with two hands and started on each end of the sentence, the beginning and the end, and you started writing toward the middle and understood exactly every word you were going to use along the way. He's like, that is how they write because they don't experience time like we do. They experience time always, you know. I imagine even with <clears throat> the universal language, we still wouldn't experience time the way they do because they have probably have understood it for far longer than we have. So they're probably, you know, like Abbott, I, I, my interpretation of the scene with the bomb in the chamber is that Abbott doesn't actually understand like what that is. He just knows that's going to happen. And that is part of what it is. Everything they do, they already know the entire relationship and the way this is going to play out the moment they land. Uh, this is just kind of checking the boxes for them at this point and making sure, well, they got to come here and do this. They got to come here and do this. The the silly irony of it all is that Luis and Ian are trying to teach the heptapods communication skills when, in fact, they know this entire time. It's them who are trying to teach humans, and that's – I just realized that. That's fun. <laughs> there's a weird thing that uh, there's a weird point I have to make when you say that is the fact that you are taking a human perspective about their perception of reality. You right. say they're checking boxes, but they're not because True. really they they, it happens because it happens and it just is. So it's not like, it's not like they consciously experience them already having learned. It just is. And so it's kind of like, does that take away their free will? Because a lot of that is how we understand free will, right? Well, it implies that free will doesn't exist. Yeah, right? no, you're right. And because maybe maybe, just... maybe free will is just a made-up concept. Or <laughs> rather, I guess I guess you could argue that the moment you're born, you have that moment right there to make all of your decisions the moment you're out of the womb. <laughs> and you've made all the decisions right then and there, and that's when the circle is drawn, and you are on that path now, and that is the way it is forever. And it is probably more than just the decisions you make as a baby popping out of the womb, but your your place in life, your parents, you know, nature, nurture, all that jazz. Well, in in my classic fashion where I ruin everything. Um, I think that you're thinking small about this. I think that true to say that a human being born is any significance because yeah, very true. I mean, the only thing that really matters is I'm going to go back. It's the starting point of the big bang. <laughs> everything was already determined. If you believe in, in that sort of idea, determinism, is that there was a certain way everything was sort of arranged and then boom, 
and then the beginning and the end of the universe is here and we're just experiencing it because of the way we travel through the 12 dimensional miasma <laughs> the time continuum yeah well it's not even a continuum it's a fucking it's a circle pasta <laughs> it's, the, uh, the time noodle the time noodle you are traveling along the time noodle oh that's that's the time knife yeah everyone's seen it yeah um <laughs> wait is that is that doctor who i don't know what is no, that's that? the good place oh yes yeah okay, okay. and what is I the, what what is the dot what is the dot there <laughs> i forget what chidi said no that you're thinking of the jeremy jeremy barrington mm -hmm. or something that's that's something different that's that's the time that's how time flows the time knife is something else i forget what chidi said oh, no, or is it jeremy bear me jeremy bear me that's what it is <laughs> We have to go. We have to go at some point and just cover specific episodes of the Good Place because not the entire the entire series doesn't work as uh, as a podcast episode for us. Mm -hmm. But we could easily pick like certain episodes and talk about it, like the Time Knife and the Jeremy Barami and things like that. <laughs> Everybody's seen the Time Knife. <laughs> Everyone's seen the Time Knife. You're not special, Chidi. Um. <laughs> anyway. Um. It's it's funny you said all that, Bill, because like uh, you know uh, about how I'm thinking too small. It's like I feel like even now, like no matter what we do, no matter how we talk about the universal language and what what that means for humanity going forward, like we can't understand. Period. Wow. Like we will always use our experience and our perception right now to kind of justify like how would how we would react to that and how we would live in that, and we can't. We can't ever comprehend, and that's why this movie is so cool, is because it presents a concept that's so off the charts. Like, someone had to think of that. Someone had to go, not just think of it, but had to remove their own perception. And this goes to, uh, what's the novella writer's name again? Uh, uh, something. Ted Chiang. Ted Ted Chiang. Um, that goes to him, honestly. He had to sit there and think. He's like, huh. He's like, if time was a circle and there was nothing we could do to stop the future and we saw it, and he had to remove his perception of how things are now and think about that and create a, a realistic, inter like, you know, like uh, Amy, <clears throat> Louise Banks' life from here on out is just kind of absentmindedly staring at things as she's living in all timelines, or <laughs> not all timelines, but uh, all moments of her timeline. First of all, you're assuming that Ted uh, was a perceptive person, was even perceiving something in the first place, because he mm -hmm. might have just been hanging out and writing cool shit. Who knows what Ted was doing? He could have been completely <laughs> unaware of his experiences in his life. He has no actual human perception whatsoever. That's how he was able to write this. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. Thank I, you. I um yeah no I, I I love what you're saying there because it's like. Because in the in the novella, it's kind of everything is kind of the same. The, the the film did a great great job with that. Is it the full story in the novella? It's it's pretty much it's pretty. Wow. I mean, there are details that are out of here, but like it's pretty much they they did a great job with this film, sort of like translating it onto there, um, in in the ways that like the original novel had some aspects that just don't work in film, and they just made sure. it work in film. So, um. But like, uh, but to say like, he had to imagine he took he took life 
And he said, okay, how do we experience life in time? And then he took out that variable and he said, what if your experience of time wasn't there? And like, so you think about, it's like, it's like, I don't know if anybody has watched the video on Flatland. Does anybody know the concept of Flatland? No. Okay. Well, it's okay. Very, very, very quick. Um, So Flatland is a two dimensional universe where everything uh, operates in two dimensions. And the only thing you can see is basically a line like this. (laughs) Colin's pouring a beer. He's like, okay, we're going to have to do this. You notice how the the cup is curved to the side, slanted to the side, yet the beer is still level. That's, that's, a lot, that's that's a lot like time. That's a lot. <laughs> no, that's gravity. That's the opposite. And how Space. it goes, and how it goes into my tummy. Stop. We're, <laughs> we're, we're 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 doing science now. Watch the whole time. Okay. It just keeps going I just down. Went down my down yeah, and wow. out to my stomach. Guess okay. what? Still level. Got it. Got it's, it. That's Even just. I, I, that's. Yeah. You know what? You're right. It's time. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> it's all relative, guys. <laughs> so flatland. So. <laughs> so basically, um, you always see a line. Nothing is. Nothing is three dimensional. You mm-hmm. basically experience a circle as a two dimensional circle. Now, sure. that's time. Uh. Well, that's we. Let's say we take everything that we know as three dimensions and bring it down to two dimensions. So we take everything that we see, depth, everything, and we bring it down to two dimensions. Now the dimension higher, the fourth dimension is time. It's a single, single, as we interpret it, a single, a single vector of time. Mm -hmm. So one direction. Um, And you take a sphere and you pass it through flatland. What would they interpret? They would interpret... If we bring it down and they would see a tiny dot turn into a big circle and then go back to a dot and disappear out of existence. That's what they would see as you slice it, as you slice a sphere. And the idea is that we exist as, as a giant trail of events. We exist as a, if we look at our fourth dimensional selves, we exist as a giant trail of events from beginning to end, from your birth to your death. And we are experiencing it as the slivers of that trail, basically. So it's like how, how you would see the sphere go in and out of existence. We are experiencing our lives as those cross-sectional slices. And so we okay. have this fourth dimensional self or the universe has a fourth dimensional self from beginning the big bang to the end of the universe. And it's one long, if we have to use three dimensions to describe it, one long sort of trail. And we're looking at each slice of it as we're going along. So that's how we travel through the fourth dimension is through time. So they, so that's the idea, the concept, the high level concept to get, you know, your head around it. And basically what these things are, fourth dimensional beings is the heptapods experience the entire snake, the entire trail, and they are experiencing the beginning, the end and the entire thing. So that, you know, when they say in 3000 years, you're going to need this, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like. You know, it's like they know that they had to do that if we come from a human perspective in order for that to happen in the future. 
It's, but, it's it was it was in three thousand years. We're going to need you to need to have this. Yes, that's what it was. Right, we need you. Right, exactly. So yeah, so you know, so <laughs> so I want you to explain that again, but I want you to use the beer <laughs> okay. as the basis for your model. All right, so I, I'm gonna do it. So let's say. <laughs> So let's say that you spread the beer out on the desk. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. It's very sticky. So you spread the beer out. <laughs> we spread the beer out and that is everything that's ever happened in our beer universe. And now how you really experience it is in a glass With one, a straw. Oh. one sip at a time. But how the heptapods would experience it is the entire glass on the table all at once. So they have they are experiencing the entire beer all at once. Exactly. Instead of having to take cold, sips. Cold and warm. Yes. Cold and warm all at the same time. I like it. <laughs> I like it. That's that's a that's a fantastic and beautiful metaphor. You're welcome. Bill, you did it. I get, they experienced I got, I the whole thing, you. cold and warm right, beer boys, we did once. it. <laughs> we got him. Mission accomplished. We got him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. One of the things that I, I didn't notice in my first viewing, but I noticed in my second viewing, was the discussion about uh, the theory that if you immerse yourself into a language enough, it... Uh, and this is not a separate point. This is just kind of building off of our discussion of time and perception... <clears throat> they Ian mentions to her that if you in her dream actually so dream Ian mentions to her that if you ex, if you immerse yourself in a foreign language enough you begin to rewire your brain in that foreign language and so you begin to dream in that language etc cetera, etc cetera. <clears throat> and I think that's an interesting point moving into like our perception of time because that's probably that seems to be the way they're justifying you know, how a language can change our perception of time. She is, once she learns this language and learns it fully and fully understands it, she, her her brain changes to kind of compensate for that. It's using well, that theory. So my brother actually told me this because we, we didn't get on the topic of like, you know, whose content is more important between him teaching French and me teaching history. Um <laughs> We did not get on that topic, but uh, it, it, we did have a conversation. It ended up being like him saying why it's really important for uh, kids and adolescents to learn a second language is because it teaches their brain to think critically in ways that just knowing one language would not allow them to do. Mm -hmm. Learning a second language, they're like they said in the movie, you're wiring your brain in a different way and you can approach uh, an issue from a different angle i guess it is um that's really what the most important thing about learning a separate language not about like becoming more cultured and more worldly it's literally your your brain is learning to think more critically than it would before i mean that's, that's a fun good, fact i'm yeah. oh, sorry no i was gonna say that's a good point because you tear things apart in a different way in a different language mm -hmm. i learned that uh after a certain point very young age i think it's like five or six if that if that old it might be younger but the language center of our brain shuts off. Uh, you don't learn language through your language center as an adult. You learn language uh, through your math and science center of your brain. There's no hope for and, us, boys. 
<laughs> is that why, is that why I, I never really picked up a language because I tried to learn it as an adult and I was like, nope, no I idea. I mean, you, you no. still could. Like you science. just need to, you need to put more work into it and stretch that shit more because... Mm -hmm. uh, I need to use it every day, otherwise I'm not right. going to learn it. Right. Duolingo wasn't. is great for that. And now for our sponsored ad. <laughs> no. no, I was going to say, I, I, I heard a huge point about learning uh, uh, a different language fluently or at least... Um, I don't know being being comprehended correctly um, is to uh, live in that language and that mm -hmm. if you don't live in that language there's no real hope and so you have to so being in the United States of America as we are there's really just English and there's no common Spanish you know sort of places around us we don't really have that and we don't right. have a lot of different languages whereas if you go to sort of like uh, europe or asia you know you can you know drive two hours and you're speaking a different language and so you can immerse yourself more easily right when i was learning spanish i was literally putting on the show narcos and uh listening to shakira the whole time all at once <laughs> uh, and i was getting pretty close i thought i was figuring it out because I was like recognizing like verb conjugations. I was like, this is mm -hmm. sick. Mm -hmm. And then Narcos ended and I listened to enough Shakira to satiate my Shakira uh, well, listening needs, I guess. And I moved on and I don't know Spanish. Yeah. Well, we don't really. <laughs> so, it, so it didn't work. <coughs> no, I, I actually. With it. I didn't keep actually, doing that. I, I did the same thing. I watched. Um, I watched. Uh, what was it? fucking Dora a. the Explorer Dora the Explorer and I listened to um uh what was it uh Bulldog and I uh, had a seizure and I, I I had a seizure and I uh I woke up speaking tongues so, so was it was it because of Dora or Mr. Worldwide I gotta know, I don't know. you gotta know <laughs> I hope it was Mr. Worldwide. It was Mr. Worldwide. He he taught me kids, Spanish. A lot of kids. Uh, Hola, can you say God speaks through me, Bill? Dios habla. Dios habla. Oh my God! I just saw my entire future. <laughs> That's a different perspective, man. It's just a different perspective. Um, yeah. Wow. I, that's the big stuff I wanted to talk about. I just thought it was. I thought it was really cool because I missed it the first time. Uh, it's how, how they kind of justified this happening because it's a little. It's a little ridiculous, right? It's a little ridiculous to say that learning a language lets you perceive time differently. But I, I, while it is a bit of a silly justification, I do think it's a. I think it's a good one. I think it's like if that if there was any way this would happen. That would be how it could happen. So now you got to learn the universal language. Yep. Or don't. I. Th I, th I don't I know thought, if I would ever want to. I thought that was um. Was es Esperanto? Esperanto. <laughs> the universal I mean, the Esperanto. language. I believe that's the universal language. I did. I, I loved. I, I. I was into Esperanto for about two weeks. I remember Bill, that. I remember Bill. You also. <laughs> you were also into Icelandic. There are a lot of different things. There are a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah, I like the devil. Yeah, you thought French was hot, and then you actually met French people, and you were just like, like oh, no. And I was like, these people are rude. Why does your face... Qu'est-ce que tu fais? Qu'est-ce que tu fais? 
Yeah, that's it. That's my French impression. Yeah. There you go. I like to th- I like to think a French person was like, you know what? After Valerian, I'm gonna give them another shot <laughs> because I'm a big fan of Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> And they 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 have to only have good things to say about Denny. He is a good Frenchman. He's 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 French Canadian. Uh, he's Quebecois. Uh, but um, they have to they have to something. So they tune into this episode and they turned it right off at that point. They were like, they were like, oh, it's still like that here. <laughs> turned it off. I mean, I listen. I'm very I'm very positive and cool with the French. But at the end of the day, they're. They're, they're asking French. for it. They're kind of French. French. They're kind of French. They're, yeah. fuck, they're fucking asking for it. Oh, I'm sorry. It, We're going to date this podcast real quick because we always do. Mm. But the French just lost in the Euros and everyone in the world laughed. Yeah, oh. but you know what? That They have they tend to turn their anger toward produ- progressive social reform in their country when that <clears> happens. So uh, at least we can <coughs> look forward to them burning down some state houses. Or cutting a few people's heads off. Yeah, well, they'll figure it out. That's you know we, we you make fun of the French a lot, but I've been looking a lot into their their progressive actions, and and at least at least there's that. I, I do admire the French. They if their government misbehaves, they do tend to remind them uh, pretty quickly who's in charge, which is always nice. <laughs> which they is don't, the people they, of the republic. Yes. Um, I did want to know. What like would you guys learn the universal language if you had the opportunity, no. knowing knowing obviously what it would do? No. Why? I don't want to know what what comes. <clears throat> if that makes any sense. That's fine. I'm not judging. I was just curious. I what about want, you, Bill? I don't. Know. Maybe, maybe. I think. I think. I mean, I am curious. I mean, I'd be curious. I mean, it's a different way, but it's like also humans. You would be a human outside of sort of society, you know, in the in the way that you think. And so you wouldn't be able to sort of empathize or understand other people. And when you know everything uh, that's going to happen to you. And I don't know. I don't want to wait for my life to for be over. life to be over. <laughs> That's all we can use. That's can all. We, can, can we end end the podcast with that, Andrew? Um, <laughs> Was that Dawson's Creek? Was it that the, mm-hmm. the the music to Dawson's yeah. Creek? Fuck yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Um, that's a good question, Ben. By the way, I really appreciate that. Thanks. I I don't think I would either. Uh, I mean, if everyone started learning it, I'd probably learn it. You know, I I want to. Once everyone knows the future, it's going to be weird. Uh, so, which is kind of, huh? I, I like that. I think there's the thing about self fulfilling prophecy. If you think something's going to happen, you're going to kind of steer your life and your actions towards making that a reality. Whereas that may not be the case. Who knows? It's also interesting because if you think about it, um, Luis would likely. And from how it seems, this is the case. Lisa likely never allow Hannah to learn the language because Hannah would know what happens to her. That's a good and point. That's an interesting kind of you are there. There's this interesting kind of new challenge for humanity, and that's like kind of my last point I wanted to talk about, which is like I love how this is kind of an origin story for uh for an enlightened humanity, but it's also like this isn't 
the be this isn't like everyone's united now we're all happy no this is the beginning of a lot of new and challenging things like at any point someone can decide that this is privileged knowledge and that some people shouldn't have access to the the their future you know some people shouldn't know what's coming and uh you know louise does it for her daughter's own good you know i think the the knowledge that a child will die before their time would cripple them um but I don't know. I, I think it's like, you get what I'm saying, right? Like there's potential in the future from there to be like, no, like uh, we're going to, we're going to remove access to learning this language because we don't want these people to know what we are, what we want to do. We can see the future. We don't just see the future. We see time. We, we speak the universal language. We see things that these people are not going to like. We're going to try and take this ability away from them. Or is the question really by learning this language you become enlightened you see the bigger picture and i guess this is all just me and my small brain trying to perceive things that i can't but i don't know i think there's a lot of interesting things for the future beyond you know just a united earth which is a, a idealistic oh no absolutely i lovely think thought. the future would be very very bright but the, that's the stepping stone is the united earth until the earth is united we can't move forward from that you know mm -hmm. there's a whole universe of possibilities out there but we can't reach it as long as we're still scrambling and fighting for the same resources you know there's also a very weird concept that wasn't really explored so much in this that is the possibility of and i mean maybe this is just me getting too deep into it honestly um but i'll do one one more thing okay one more thing going back to our snake cells um so <laughs> the fifth dimension let me let me bring it up <clears throat> a split in sorry a split in uh one dimensions a split in one dimension so one dimension is a line yes a split in one dimension makes two dimensions. So that's how you sort of explain that. Now we take that concept and think of our life beginning and end, our snake selves, as one dimension. Think of it as a line. Now when you split, that's the fifth dimension. So that is the fifth dimension. And so you have choices. Every time there's a choice, every time something happens, there's a split, and you split. And that's split, when split, you split. can. That's when you can manipulate time. Exactly. Correctly. But that's so. <clears throat> fourth dimension is being able to just view the timeline mm -hmm. as a whole. Yeah. Fifth dimension is you can begin to change things. I guess you could you could think of it that way. But I mean, that would be sixth dimension because you would create a fold in the timeline. You could fold things in six dimensions. I don't know. It's very weird. It gets very, very weird. But I don't know. That was an idea that I had because, you know, if you uh, basically if you think of it as fourth dimension, you can say, OK, this is what happens. This is the beginning. This is the end. You think fifth dimensionally, you say these are all every single possibility that we could have. And this is the choice that we make. And we could have every single possibility, but the ability to see it. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Man, I can't wait till the aliens show up with Universal 2. <laughs> God, I hope Universal 2 comes in. So bored of Universal. 
<laughs> I'm so tired of just seeing my life. I want to see all the choices I could have made. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, I, can't, no I can't wait no, for the ultimate regret tool. This is great. <laughs> the ultimate, The ultimate regret. Be right back. I have a new movie idea. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. All of the choices that you you that you regret and every single one you will come to regret. <laughs> well, I don't want to choose this one. I want to choose that one. Too bad. Too it's bad. the way it is. Too bad. Man. We are useless small animals. I've been saying that for a very, very long time. No, but it's about, it's, 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 all. Are you kidding? It's about the okay, piece we wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Okay, let me just completely date this. It is currently, at time of recording, it is June 29th, 2021, and the Crunchwrap Grande <laughs> has come back. And I don't know if you can really call a creature <laughs> useless when it comes up with the Crunchwrap, and then it doubles it. Fun fact, uh, if you eat enough Crunchwrap Grandes, uh, <laughs> that's how you could also learn the universal language. <laughs> and it's only 5.35 at your local uh, Taco Bell. Now, enough is, you know, uh, enough to kill a human. But if you could do it, you give it a shot. Yeah. No, Let sure. us know what you think in the comments. <laughs> Don't forget to like and subscribe and smash that button. All right. I'm done. Oh. All right, boys. Quick round the world here. Around the world, around the world. I want to know, uh, do you guys think this was good sci-fi or bad? I, f I already fucking know your answers. I mean, you guys have already said what you it is. You say this every but, goddamn yeah, Final time. thoughts. Final thoughts on the movie. <laughs> Uh, starting with Bran. It's magnanimous sci-fi. It's on the level of every Denis Villeneuve movie in the world. I'm so excited for Dune. Dune comes out in October now. Uh, it's not December. Like I Hell thought it was, fucking so yeah. October. Which means in a few uh, months we're going to the movies, boys. Oh fuck yeah. yeah. And it's going to be the first movie in a long time that I probably go to the theaters for multiple times. Um, and I'm totally okay with that. Uh, it's... It's just a beautiful film. Like every, like we even talk about the the alien landscape of that Montana Valley that is like the clouds rolling over the mountains and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so it was, it was filmed in. Speak of the fucking devil, it was filmed in Quebec. You know. So, oh, was yeah, it really? The fucking oh, okay. so French Canadians strike again near Montana. Um, that's right. It's set, in, it's set in Montana. That's why I said Montana. It, it's set in Montana, but they filmed it in Quebec. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just. You know, he, he, every, like I said, everyone comes together to make a perfect film. And it's, it's what filmmaking should be, the sum of its parts. Everyone put in their best work, period. And I'm not even a big Amy Adams fan, but she is brilliant. She's A in this. So, magnanimous, sci fi, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, thank you, Ben. I, I was waiting for you to put the plus plus in there. I was surprised you didn't do it at the beginning. Uh, Bill. Well, <clears throat> I would say the movie is very good. You get elements of Denis Villiers and the Quebecois and the beginning, the premier, and the fin. 
Et... Très magnifique. Qu'est-ce que tu fais <rire> Est-ce que tu fais ah, euh, Qu'est-ce qu que tu fais ah, Super français, un petit peu comme en vache, mais... J'aime les, me... les films. Tabanart Est-ce mananime Est-ce mananime Plus, plus. Mananime, plus, plus. <laughs> okay, thank you, Bill. Um, I thought the movie was uh, fantastic. I thought it was the first time. Uh, I forgot how sad it was. Like, that's a sad ending. Like, it's beautiful, but it's sad because you finally realize that that daughter, she didn't have it yet. And so she's going to have this baby and she knows this baby's going to die and she knows it's going to kill her marriage, but she's still going to do it anyways because she wanted the D. Um, <laughs> assuming, no, that's the only just, reason she said yes she was like she was like well will you, know, you have drinking sex a lot with of me wine, and we all know that we're, we're kind of given to our our more primal urges when we drink too much so yeah she was drinking a little bit of wine he's like let's make a baby she's like okay and Donnelly, being a theoretical physicist, will only have sex to procreate and no nothing. Else. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why he's single. That's why he's single. Nous faisons un Before bébé. he meets uh, the only other boring person in the world. No, hein? um, hein? no, I loved, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, oui? <laughs> Bill, Bill doesn't come back from French land. Um, no, I thought I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, Denny always strikes it out of the park as far as i'm concerned um the music again wonderful he got gypped on this one if you guys didn't know uh for an oscar nom uh johan johansson because he used uh other people's music at times and so it was just enough that he got uh, out of the race for that which Stupid. is bullshit yeah well the oscars can go fuck themselves for being honest anyways yep <clears throat> um yeah uh, so that's it that's all i got beautiful wonderful movie great sci-fi great great sci-fi um yeah i guess that's it so let's go over what we're doing next week which uh, i already know what it is but i always like to double check so we're gonna finish up our mass effect suite and finish it are we gonna finish it yes we'll find out if you don't finish mass effect by then i don't care you've already beat it so we can still no talk i mean it. are we gonna finish discussing it oh i hope so god well, it's I have on the a lot schedule. To talk about. I have a lot to talk about. That's good. And we will talk about it. After that. Oh, Jesus. We're doing that? Yes, we are. It has. Oh, we have to. God. Hey, be happy I didn't put Infinite on the schedule. Thank you. This this will do, I guess. I watched I watched Infinite and I was like, we can immediately say awful sci-fi. Moving on. But this one, this one, we can give a shot. We can give it a shot. <clears throat> it's right. the Tomorrow War. Mm. The Tomorrow War. Very yes. Sorry, that's that's coming up after we do Mass Effect. Uh, also, for those of you that were looking future. for Sphere, uh, that podcast does not exist anymore. Uh, neither does the movie. Um, we erased it. We erased it. Sorry, the audio was just What's... bad. We scrapped it, and honestly, it wasn't enough for us to just go back and do it again. So. All right, folks, that's it. Until next time. 
So open up your morning light and say a little prayer for I. You know that if we are to stay alive and see the peace in every eye.
to stay alive and see the light.